Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being the one that we are drawn to, the one we put our eyes on, the one that we seek, the one that we follow, the one that gives life and love and hope and joy, the one who gives us life eternal and life abundant. So Father, today we focus our eyes on you, we look to the cross, we see Jesus, and we see the demonstration of your love spread out before us on a cross. And so Father, as we see that today, as we focus our thoughts on the cross and upon you, we ask you to show us how to love better. Teach us that today. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, it's great to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Uh, real quick before we get started, uh, some of our teams will be coming around with some uh, cards for you. Uh, this is not a tic-tac-toe game just quite yet, so just hold on to that when you get one of those. Uh, you'll need that in a few minutes. Uh, just hold on to that, but I'll be sure that everyone has one of those. Uh, we'll need that in just a little bit. Uh, while they're doing that, I want to be sure to mention to you that two weeks from tonight is our next big uh, family event. We're calling it Fi uh, Flannel by the Fire, and we're going to be outside uh, two weeks from this evening. Uh, bonfire, wear a flannel shirt, and probably going to need, I had to scrape frost off my windows this morning, so probably going to need a hat and coat too. Uh, but we're going to have a great time, kind of a fall festival, stuff for kids, stuff for adults, stuff for grandmas and grandpas, stuff for aunts and uncles, stuff for your neighbor kids. Uh, just hope you'll be here uh, two weeks from this evening for a wonderful event called Flannel by the Fire. Uh, there's still a handful of things, material-wise, that we need to pull this off as best as possible. So if you're willing, on your way out, uh, check the, the windows there by our office complex. Uh, Kara's got some cards stuck to the windows there. Pull one of those off and see if you can help us uh, get the rest of the stuff we need to pull off a great event for our church family and for our community uh, coming up two weeks from tonight for our flannel by the fire event uh, this fall we're in this series of sermons we're calling rugged and raw what we're doing in this series as we're uh, focusing towards leading towards um, our big final uh, 25th anniversary celebration event which happens on uh, november the 13th as we're leading to that, we're talking this fall here in our service times, our teaching times, about the church, the concept of the church, the philosophy of the church, the history of the church, the history of this church, and just what the church is and what the church could be and what the church should be. And I've kind of focused most of what we've talked about on one verse from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is one of our New Testament books. New Testament is the second part of our Bibles. In the New Testament book of Acts, we read the history of the church. It's how the first church came to be. And there's this one really important verse that Jesus says to the disciples just before Jesus leaves. And he's going to leave the Holy Spirit to, to guide us and direct us. And, and he's going to leave us to be the church, to be his hands and feet in the world today. Just before Jesus leaves, he gives this command to his disciples and to us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, You will be my witnesses. My witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, throughout Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's what we're trying to learn how to do. How can we be that? How can we accomplish the goal that Jesus set for the church? To be the witnesses, to be his hands and feet in the world today. So I guess i got to ask you this question before we get too much further along. Have you ever been in a Bible fight? 
I know, I, I, I grew up in Sunday school, I, my dad was a preacher, I went, we did the sword drills, we did, you ever been in a fight with the Bible? I mean, I mean, literally, like, you got hit with the Bible? All right, maybe not, but have you ever felt like you've been hit with the Bible, figuratively, symbolically at least? Has anybody ever beaten you over the head with the Bible? Maybe it's, that's just symbolic of what, what a lot of people think of Christians, and a lot of people think of the church. They, they think we're just going to beat them over the head with the Bible, that we're judgmental, that we're mean. It's been the climate of a lot of Christianity, especially in America the last 30 years. I would say if you put up an honest sign for a lot of churches, a, a sign that was honest right outside the doors of the church, it would read something like, Welcome to the church of we're right and they're wrong. Or if you were here last week, you'll get this reference. Welcome to Scarecrow Christian Church. This is just one of the reasons that we're doing this series, Rugged and Raw, because we want to re-familiarize ourselves with what the church could be and should be. And if we, as the hands and feet of Jesus, are to be witnesses, we are going to have to connect with people instead of repelling people or keeping people at an arm's distance or not even allowing them in the door. So let me begin this morning with a simple grammar lesson. If I can put my professor hat on for a second, let's go back to grammar for a minute. As you know, the word Christian is a noun. The word Christian comes from the Greek word Christianos, which was used in the first century. Christianos, the Greek word used in the first century to describe a person, singular, a person who follows Jesus. A person who continues to follow Jesus, Christian, a noun. Interesting, interestingly enough, to me at least, the word Christian is only used in the New Testament three times. And it's not necessarily a compliment. Three times it's used in the New Testament. The word church is also a noun. The word church comes from the Greek word ekklesia. We talked about this at the very beginning of this series. The word ecclesia literally means gathering. It doesn't mean a service, it doesn't mean a building. It means a gathering or a movement of people. And that word is used in the New Testament to describe people. A gathering of people who were following this person named Jesus. This word, the word ecclesia, this word is used 114 times in the New Testament. Compare that to the three times the word Christian is used. You know this. You've known this since third grade. A noun is a person, place, or thing, right? Remember that? A noun is a person, place, from thing. We also know from grammar school that nouns love verbs. Verbs are action words. Verbs are do-something words. And so a Christian and a church are nouns that love verbs. Specifically, the verbs that our leader loved. And our leader's name is Jesus. And so we, as Christians and as church, we are to live out, we are to express, we are to put into action the verbs that our leader loved, that our leader expressed, that our leader put into action. Verbs like follow, listen, love, Go, die, rest, and so, so many more. And so, if we are not 
putting those verbs into action, then we cannot call ourselves Christian, nor can we call ourselves church. But yet, I meet so many people in life who believe that they can be a Christian and that they can be a church without living out without expressing, without putting into practice, into action, the verbs of Jesus. This is an impossibility. And it seems so simple when we talk about it as nouns and verbs that this should be an easy thing to do. What complicates this are adjectives, those pesky adjectives. An adjective is a word that describes a noun. It's a description word. Well, what's happened is we live in a culture that has taken the word Christian, which should be a noun, and we've turned the word Christian into an adjective. For example, we say we, things like we have Christian books and Christian music and Christian t-shirts and Christian radio and we have our Christian friends and we attend Christian conferences and we go to Christian concerts we've taken a noun that was always intended to stay as a noun and we've made it into an adjective and so we've created a different classification for the word Christian we've done a similar thing to the word church it's like we don't let the word church, the noun church, stand for itself. We think it's insufficient. Something's insufficient about the word church. And so what we do is we take the noun church and we add adjectives to it like Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or Nazarene. And it can't just be a church. It's got to be one of those kinds of churches. And all these different titles are placed next to the word church as if that word can't stand on its own. All this does is create confusion. You confused yet? <laughs> All this does is create confusion. And maybe it seems trivial. Maybe you think I'm being a little nitpicky talking about nouns and verbs, verbs and adjectives. But I'm convinced, <laughs> I'm convinced that the words of the Bible become distorted and diluted if we don't. And when the words of the Bible become distorted and diluted, so do our responsibilities as Christians and as a church. I think most of us would agree that words matter. And I think most of us would agree that God's words matter even more. And so we have to pay close attention to the words of God, even the parts of speech and the grammar of the text. Because when we confuse Christian as an adjective instead of a noun, we create a culture where Christians hide and huddle. It's a us-against-them mentality. We try to insulate, isolate ourselves from the world. Christian music, non-Christian music. Christian music, secular music. Christian friends, non-Christian friends. Now listen, I'm not saying that Christian stuff is bad. I am a Christian. What I'm saying is that removing ourselves from the world was never the goal. It's kind of the opposite of the goal. 
But somewhere along the line, that's what church became about. About removing ourselves from the world and hiding and huddling. The problem with hiding and huddling is that it's the opposite of what God wants us to accomplish. It is impossible to be the church if our philosophy is to hide and huddle. Here's why this matters. You may be here today. You may be watching this broadcast online on Facebook or YouTube or on our website. And you may not yet be a follower of Jesus. You may not yet be a believer in Jesus. Listen, if that's you, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you've stumbled across this, uh, this webpage that you're watching this on today. If that's you, I'm glad you're here. But let me make a, 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 what I think is a pretty bold statement. If you are not yet a follower of Jesus, it's my guess that there's one of two reasons why. The first reason why you may not yet be a follower of Jesus is that you haven't actually heard about Jesus and about how much Jesus loves you. And the second reason why you might not yet be a follower of Jesus is that I think it's probably possible that nobody has ever represented Jesus to you very well. In fact, maybe worse, maybe they've represented Jesus to you very, very poorly. If the only Christians that you have ever met are beating you over the head with their hard-backed Bible, why would you want to meet their Lord? If the disciples are like that, why would you want to meet the guy they're trying to be like? Jesus has a verb for us nouns. Let's go. Go and be my witnesses. Uh, Matthew 28, Jesus says this, Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Where did Jesus go? Well, last week we saw in Luke chapter 15 that uh, the, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach because that was Jesus' mission. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the, the Bible thumpers, the scarecrows, we talked about them last week, made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. He welcomes sinners and eats with them. Is, is that true? Jesus, is, is that true? Is that, of course it's true. How else could he fulfill his mission, his verbs, if he didn't go connect with the people that needed to hear? Don't miss this. When Jesus was here, he spent a lot of his time, most of his time, connecting with people. And not just the religious people, and not just the disciples. He did spend time with them, connecting with them. But he was connecting with the sinners and the tax collectors. He was connecting with everybody. Let me show you a great example of this. This is from the book of Matthew, chapter 9. Just listen to how Matthew tells the story. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew... By the way, St. Matthew that's going to write this biography of Jesus later, the, the one reading now. Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Hated person, tax collector. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, I don't know how much later, next day, next week, three months later, I don't know. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such 
scum. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So here's what's happened. Matthew meets Jesus. Matthew begins to follow Jesus. Matthew surrenders his life to Jesus. And because of that, Matthew decides he wants to throw a party for his friends. Matthew wanted to be a witness to his friends. He wanted to introduce Jesus to his friends, his co-workers, the people he spent his time with. So Jesus is eating with Matthew and Matthew's bad friends. This party had low entrance requirements, the sinners and the tax collectors, because that's the only people who would have associated with Matthew. These were the traitors to society. These were the traitors to the Jewish people. These were the, who, the people who the religious folks, the church people of the day, said they, that these are the people who brought all the problems on society. Everything is wrong with society, it's their fault. They are the, did you see the word in the text? They are the scum of our, of our community. They are the scum. And these folks came to the party. Because these sinners, these scum, they were attracted to Jesus. That, that is key. Jesus was, was a sinner magnet, not a repeller, not, not, not a roadblock, not a scarecrow. They wanted to be around Jesus. They wanted to hang out with him. So what do you think happened? What do you think the Matthew party looked like? <laughs> I guarantee you the wine was flowing. You know, if this happened in our day, likely there would have been a keg, there would have been music, and the music wouldn't have been Christian music. Can you imagine the language that they used at this party? It would not have sounded like a church service because these guys, they didn't know the Christian rules yet. So here's Jesus at the party. Just what is Jesus' mission? To create a, a holy huddle of nice people who do nothing bad or just do nothing? No. Jesus' mission was to seek sinners. Not those who thought they were righteous, but those who knew they were sinners. He wanted to connect. That's kind of my key word today. He wanted to connect with the folks who really needed Jesus. Dr. Tim Harlow wrote this line. He writes, I think the people of the world, he's talking about the world we live in, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. I think the people of the world are more ready to receive the good news than we are ready to give it. And that needs to change. Jesus spent a lot, maybe most of his time, with people who were far away from God. People who needed a doctor. And if you and I, if we are going to be the church, guess what? We're going to have to do that too. In Matthew's biography of Jesus, Matthew records 34 times, 34 instances of individual people having a moment, an encounter, a conversation with Jesus. 34 times in this one biography of Jesus. 34 times. Do you want to know how many of those encounters happened at church? One. That's why the verb that Jesus gave us was go. Go into all the world. Do you understand this? It's about relationships. 
Uh, think about it like this. So somebody uh, knocks on your door uh, Saturday morning, 1030 or so. You got a knock on your door. Your doorbell rings. Are you happy about it? I mean, you're just minding your own business. You're drinking your coffee. You're watching college game day. You're thinking about maybe, maybe not going out and raking the leaves. You're just having a relaxing, chill day, and the doorbell rings. Are you happy about it? No, of course not. Especially if when you answer the door, it's a salesman. Nobody wants to talk about anything they don't, needs to have anybody trying to sell them something they don't want or need at 1030 on a Saturday morning, right? Now, now if somebody's delivering pizza, okay, I'm, I'm glad they're there. All right, but I asked them to come there, right? I'm glad for the knock on the door, but past that, I'm not. This is how people feel. Somebody sent me this picture. I love this picture of this sign that somebody put on their house. It says, no, too broke to buy anything. We know who we are voting for. We have found Jesus. Seriously, unless you are selling Thin Mints, please go away. <laughs> I like that. I need that on my door. Unless you're selling Thin Mints, please go away. You're not wanted here. But what happens on Saturday morning at 1030? The doorbell rings. If the person, when you open the door, is not, not a salesperson, not someone who's uninvited, but what if, it's, what if it's a friend? What if it's your grandkid? What if it's somebody you have a relationship with and they knock on the door? It's completely different, isn't it? Let me show you how this works. I'm going to read you a series of scriptures from the book of Acts. We did this last week with, with a different word, but I'm going to read the series of scriptures from the book of Acts, and I want you to pay special attention to the words that I've highlighted. They're going to be in yellow, and I want you to read the yellow words out loud. And again, like you did last week, a little attitude when we get there. Can you, can you handle that with me? Let's read this. You read the yellow parts, I'll read the rest of them. Just pay attention to this thread between these verses. Let me start in Acts chapter 16. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira. We're going to tell her story in a couple weeks. A merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized. And then a little later on in that same chapter, Acts 16, down in verse 30, 31, uh, Paul and Silas are in prison and they have built this relationship with the jailer in prison. Uh, verse 30, then he brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even after that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Then over to Acts chapter 18. Then he left and went to the home of Titius Judas, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also heard Paul, became believers, and were baptized. Did you know the word? Did you pick up on it over and over again? The word in our English Bibles is the word household. The gospel keeps spreading. The message of Jesus keeps spreading through households. Now, this, old, this, this New Testament word is a little different than what you and I think of uh, in our modern days when we hear the word household. Let me just kind of explain what this word is. We tend to think, when we think household, we tend to think of the immediate family, the parents and children who live in the house at the one address. But in the first century, the word for household is the Greek word oikos. 
Yes, it's the same word as the, as the yogurt you can buy at the grocery store this afternoon. <clears throat> oikos. <clears throat> Pardon me. The word oikos had a bigger meaning than just the one house. Now, this is the word that's translated household. So oikos includes your immediate family, the people that live right there. It would also include your extended family. So grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles and nephews and nieces and all that bunch. Oikos is bigger. It also would include, especially in the first century, the servants who lived and worked in or around the house or for people who worked for the people who lived in the house. Mostly the servants. So this circle is getting bigger. This oikos, this household is getting better. It worked, included the people who worked in the house, worked for the house. It included people who were connected to each other by family ties, by economic ties, by vocational ties, what we in our day would call networks. We're networking circles of people with whom you work, play, live, relate, and do business was your oikos, your household. That's how the gospel spread. That's how the church grew in the first century, was through connections. Guess how it grows in this century? Through your Oikos. The kingdom of God is never spread primarily by preachers speaking to crowds of, of unconnected strangers. It's never spread. The gospel is never spread primarily by mass media. I mean, think about it. Who mainly listens to Christian radio or watches Christian movies or Christian TV channels? It's mostly Christians, right? The kingdom grows now the same way it grew 2,000 years ago. When one Christ follower gets on mission to decides they're going to be a witness and a whole oikos, a whole network, a whole household, a whole web of relationships gets touched one life at a time. So I want you to think for just a minute about the people around you. You got that card that we passed out? Grab that. Grab a pen out of the seat in front of you. We're going to do a little exercise this morning. If you're watching online, get you a piece of paper. Play along with us. Make you a little tic-tac-toe board. Here's what I want you to do. Grab that pen out of, out of the seat in front of you, and in the, in this, in this, pick a side. We're going to do two sides. Pick a side. In the middle, middle square, I want you to write your name. Just write your name. Now I want you to think for a minute, well, you can do this, you can do this with your neighborhood, you can do this with your, if you're a student, the, the, your class, your classroom where you sit, you can do this with, uh, with your work people, you can do this with the people you're sitting in church with right now. What I want you to do is I want you to put your name in the middle, and I want you to think about the people who are around you all the time. Like literally, like if this is your house, who lives behind you, who lives in front of you, who lives next door, who lives in this way? Who lives this side? If it's your cubicle at work, here's your cubicle. Who works in the one next to you? Who works in the one on this side? If your class, you see what I'm saying? Put the, we're going to write their names down. If, if, if maybe this is the, uh, the, the, the parents that you sit with when you go to watch your kid's soccer game. It's going to be cold this weekend, but you're in the middle and you always sit with the same people. They're always sitting around you. Write, go ahead, write their names down. You may not know anything else about them except their names. Write their names down. Fill in some names of the people who are around you. The challenge here, and there's two sides if you want to do. One's my neighborhood, one's, it'd kind of be fun to see if you, could, if you even knew the people that are sitting around you in church right now, right? <clears throat> so do two sides, do two different networks, two different oikoses that you're a part of. The challenge is to find out if you even know the people who are around you. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your fellow church members. We're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's the second greatest commandment. 
Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do we even know our neighbors? Do we even know their names? It's okay. I just want to find out if you know because you can't be a witness to somebody you don't know. Now, be careful with this. <laughs> Please be careful with this. If you write some people's names on this list, on this page, and you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stick this on my fridge, and I'll remember to pray for them, and then that neighbor comes over to your house, and they see their name written on your fridge, and they'll be like, uh, dude, what's this? And you'll be like, oh, don't worry, you're just my project. <laughs> don't do that. Don't be weird, all right? <laughs> Please don't be weird. Just be careful with this. This is just an exercise. Fill it out. If we are going to be the church, it can't start until you connect with the people that are already in your life. Can I say that again? You got to connect with the people who are already in your life. They're already your neighbors. Your kids are already hanging out and playing on a soccer team together. They're already around you. And they just might need Jesus. And all I want you to do, listen, I don't want you, again, don't be weird. I don't want you to talk to them about God. I don't want you to talk to them about Jesus. I don't even want you to talk, talk to them about Faith Christian Church, at least not yet. All I want you to do, this week especially, all I want you to do is connect. Just connect with them. Don't be weird. Don't be creepy. Just connect. Let me pray for you. Our community team will go ahead and take their places. Be ready to serve. Father, teach us. Make us aware. Remind us that there's a whole bunch of people around us every day. People that we know, people that we spend time with, people that we work with. And Father, help us to see people the same way you do. As people who need to know who you are. So give us opportunities today, this week, just to connect. Just to connect with people who are already around us. And teach us to love them the way you do. Teach us to love better. I pray this in the name of Jesus.